for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Hi, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Scott Dockerman coming up in about 20 minutes. We do know that the uh, Chris Doyle uh, settlement, $1.1 million, and health care through September of 2021. So more on that coming up here in about 20 minutes with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. But as promised, he's the CEO of Prairie Meadows, one of the uh, better, one of the uh, bigger entertainment venues in Polk County in central Iowa. Uh, they reopened this morning at 8 o'clock after being closed down for COVID. Gary Palmer, the CEO, joins us. Gary Trent and Ken, thank you for coming on. Gary Palmer, how how are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yourself? I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. A great day. Uh, Prairie back open, of course. 1989 was the big open, and then the casino. You cut the ribbon uh, for that back in the mid-'90s. And, uh, again, uh, the third reopening, I guess. This one different, though, Gary. Um, What was it like to have – what is it like, I guess, to have uh, customers uh, back in the building for the first time in weeks? It's wonderful. Um. This has been a tough three months for everybody that I know of anyway, and it's just good to see that we're back alive again and we're bringing our employees back, and there's a lot of excitement, a lot of people here this morning uh, coming out to have their entertainment fun, and uh, we're glad to see them. Uh, Trent said that you and and he were talking during the break. There was a line to get in at 8 o'clock this morning. Oh, yes. That's awesome. People excited for it, no doubt, and to get back in there and just all the entertainment options, everything. But it it is certainly going to look different. It's going to feel different inside. Gary, tell us a little bit about some of the protocols, some of the changes we're going to see for people making their way in this week for the first time. What is going to look different as they walk into Prairie Meadows? Well, we uh, naturally we take uh, we're taking everyone's temperature as they come in the door, and anyone that has a hundred. Point four or more, they'll be uh, turned back. We want to be as safe as we can. We highly recommend that you wear a mask. All our employees are wearing a mask just to be safe and uh, keep each other safe. Um, because of the uh, six-foot distancing, uh, we have about half of our gaming positions open. We don't have any live table games open mm. or poker right now. Uh, we, we, we've got to wait for a, a while for that one. Uh, but uh, we had a uh, a great opening this morning. I mean, people coming in and feeling good and looking good, and it's a beautiful morning. And our employees are tickled to death to see people walk back in the door again. We've got about uh, 47% of our employees back, mm-hmm. and uh, that's about 500 people. Uh, good news. Uh, good news, no doubt about it, because uh, that had to, I, know, I know for a fact that affected you when you had to make those layoffs. I know firsthand as you yep. fought hard for me, and I know what it means to you to have uh, people uh, working uh, here in our state. So, Gary, what about, uh, I know that the, the Triple Crown Buffet, w- w- which was so popular, uh, that uh, buffets, uh, at least for the time being, not only here, but you know all across the country, uh, buffets are uh, not coming back. How will you handle the Triple Crown Buffet? And, of course, your fine steakhouse aj's uh which is is um i think a hidden gem uh in in uh in the community well we uh the uh 
Triple Crown Buffet is now the Triple Crown Eatery. Uh, we have uh, temporarily brought the cafe down from the hotel and put it into the Triple Crown. So you can come in there three and have your three meals a day. Uh, <clears throat> great selection, great food. Uh, it just won't be a buffet for now. Uh, we open AJ's Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, uh, it's social distancing. We've had to remove some tables, etc., uh, so we can keep up with uh, the uh, CDC rules. But it looks good. It's going to be great. Right now for AJ's, we're just taking reservations only so we can make sure that uh, we don't have too many people coming and we can't take care of them when they come. Mm. We don't want to turn anybody away, but we do need reservations so we don't exceed our limitations there in AJ's on Friday. Good or idea. Any time after that. Well, that, of course, the start of the racing season. We'll get to that in a second. I want to go back to poker, Gary, for a second. We saw Vegas open and the poker tables, <clears throat> excuse me, a plexiglass between players. Is that something that you think you're going to have to do prior to opening with the plexiglass option uh, with a partition uh, between players and then uh, or according off the dealer? I think when we open table games, we will have to do something like that, yes. Mm-hmm. We've done it now with slot machines. Uh, we had some uh, petitions designed. Uh, so you can be next to each other at some of our most popular banks of slot machines, but it, it does have a plastic uh, barrier between the individuals. Here, I was wondering about the handling of chips and and at all kinds of different levels there. Is there different options? And Ken was telling me, Ken, fill me in about something that some Vegas uh, casinos do. One of the station doing. properties, they've come up with some kind of chip that nothing sticks to the surface. I, I can't remember which which one of the companies out there. Gary, I'm sure you've heard about all these kind of different things that can be done with the chips, new kind of chips, those types of things. In terms of, of handling and the way the money is kind of exchanged there inside of the casino, what have you guys working and looking towards? I'm, I'm sure there's tons of options people are trying to figure out there are and, it, and the rules change about every day right. that's, that's the problem we've had more sets of rules and regulations that we continually change mm-hmm. because the environment changes but uh you know a lot of the casinos aren't letting people touch the cards yeah. uh and some don't let them touch the chips either and that's that's kind of hard we haven't made the final decision on that as of yet uh we probably won't open table games for two three weeks and uh, meanwhile, we're researching everyone and seeing how it works and, and what seems to be the best and the most healthy for the employees as well as our guests. Uh, what about entertainment, Gary, like a Friday night, Saturday night, the, the Finish Line Show Lounge? Will you have bands back, uh, or is that something that's going to have to wait a while? That's going to have to wait a little bit. We're going to have some bands out on the apron okay. during racing, and we'll have a band probably as soon as you walk into the front door of the casino, uh, we'll have a band playing there to kind of get the the great entertainment feeling started for people. It's right above the door. There's uh-huh. really a perfect spot for them. But as far as uh, the show lounge uh, and stuff like that, we're not going to be doing that right now. We can't do that right now. My last thing for you, Gary, uh, racing starts on, on Friday night. Uh, Capacity-wise, I think you're allowed to open at 50% capacity. What changes will there be uh, when uh, you know folks come out to watch the races? On uh, Will the apron, uh, if you're going to have bands out there, I assume there's going to be people out there. Uh, what uh, what uh, changes will there be implemented in advance of the start of Friday? racing season well again most of can will be the fact that you know we, we, we're going to encourage the the six feet distance and mm-hmm. we all know how difficult that is 
but again, we also recommend you wear a mask to protect yourself and others. So it's just kind of a change of life trying to figure out how we're going to do all this. And some of it we're going to have to walk before we run. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like on our 4th of July. We are going to have a, a, a big fireworks display on oh, the 3rd of July, as we always do. Yep. And it, as you know, it really gets crowded out here. <laughs> yes, indeed it does. It's uh... we, we have got to kind of figure that one out, too. <laughs> we're not yeah. quite all done on logistics of that one yet, but we are going to have fireworks on the 3rd of July for sure. Uh, Gary, my last thing, one more. Uh, did, have you been able to um, put pen to paper and come up with a number? I mean, so many, so many groups... Uh, in Polk County really rely on uh, the relationship with the supervisors and, and the racetrack. Uh, so philanthropic, so many, so many charity dollars have been spent, millions, tens of millions of dollars over the years. Uh, any idea, Gary, how much money sadly won't be there for some of these groups due to being shut down uh, for, the, uh, for the three months? Well, you know, I, can't, I don't have a number on that, Ken, but, you know, we've, we've lost approximately – Seventy-five to ninety million dollars in three months. Mm. That's that's a lot of money. Yeah, and uh, luckily we've been debt-free for thirty mm-hmm. years or close to it now, and uh, we're still debt-free, which is good. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we still plan on giving charitables uh, in whatever proportion we can. It, it just kind of depends what happens between now and December thirty-first for this year. Gary, great stuff. Uh, congratulations on being uh, reopened. Uh, it is a very popular spot, and it's good that it's uh, once uh, once again back on the options for things to do for uh, folks here in Central Iowa. Gary, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Congratulations on the reopen. Thank you so much. Nice talking to you, fellas. Good talking to you. Gary Palmer, CEO uh, from Prairie Meadows. They're back open again. Racing season on Friday night. Bet they wish there was a few more sports going on. Yeah, in the, in the sports book for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For the William Hill part of the sports right, book up yeah. there, and no games to go up there. Will Still there be futures. games this fall? You know, we need to do something on that this week. Yeah, because you get concerned. I have in the back of my mind. I don't know how you can offer college football just as a betting option. As a betting option, right? Uh, because of the fact that. You know, there's 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 two football players right now stricken with COVID at Iowa State. There's a handful of them in Alabama. Likewise at Oklahoma State. Likewise at Old Miss. Those are the ones that we know of. Sure. And this isn't going. Sadly, it's not going away anytime soon. But would you? You bet. You like yeah, to do. play. Yes. And would you? Be okay mm-hmm. if you tune into your eleven o'clock kickoff and you had no idea to what Tagliavoa. <laughs> Is out. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence uh, is out. Brock Purdy is out. Um, and you don't find out. And you him. don't because there's no report. And and the schools, the teams, are not required at least at this point. Don't you think that if for integrity and transparency, do you have to take them off the board? Would you be willing to to risk? I mean, you're risking your money to begin with that you're on the right side yep, of the yep. number. But then you've got that additional risk of hoping that. You know, the best running back in the Pac-12 and you're all over whatever is going to play. And you had no idea that he's sick. But don't you already have that in college sports? To an extent, yes, because they're not required to put out, he's got a bad knee, he's Mm going to be out for four weeks. I think this is different, though. 
I think this is different. And, than... and because it can hit a lot more. It's not even the individual player. Mm-hmm. But all right, I went and I, I threw 50 bucks down on UAB to cover in this game because I really like the way everything sets up. Oh, by the way, four of their five offensive linemen are out. Is there... That's the bar. I think that's even bigger and maybe it would be more frustrating than an individual The, the whole line being <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you do here? Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, they're all the, in the meeting room together. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. The linebacker room is completely yeah. decimated and mm-hmm. they're going to play a, a 4-0-7 mm-hmm. defense because they don't have any linebackers <laughs> right. left. Okay, that would have changed my bet going in. That one maybe even be a bigger impact. I just like to fire. I and know and I, I don't do it to make an edge and make money and things like that. So I don't think it would impact me the same way. But mm-hmm. for the people that are trying to make a living at this, for the pros that are out there, I mean, you, it's already so difficult. We talk to these people how Very difficult it make is a to, living. To, make, to get that slight edge, mm-hmm. just to get to 54% over the long haul, get past that threshold of 52.8% to beat the vague, just to do that and eke out a living. Oh, and here's another one. You don't know who's going to be playing on Saturdays. Right. Look, I watching Iowa State, I knew Greg Eisworth was dinged up badly last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And Matt Campbell was not going to offer that up, and he's not the only coach that's that way. I mean, Matt Campbell doesn't even want the the uh, spring game on, right. <laughs> on Cyclone TV because he thinks Lincoln Riley's going to get access or whatever. Julian Good-Jones leading into the bowl game. There's all this fire yeah. about what's going on. Yeah. Well, didn't have to say anything. Right. I mean, there's... These rumblings coming out of Ames that, you know what, six guys came down with it this week, mm-hmm. but you don't know because right. there's not that official designation. Nope. Ultimately, Vegas, here, everywhere else, games will still be on the board. Yeah, well, Should they, though? That's the question. That's I the think question. we should find yeah. out something about that. The other story that's uh, uh, not getting a lot of play is, is the Tramel Murphy story at Drake. Uh, the fact that um, allegedly... He was asked by one of the assistant coaches to lie about what happened. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't see that one. Yeah, that Ooh. came out this weekend. Wow. And now you're taking a look at the staff and you're, you know, uh, that, that, and that, I don't know if they've denied it or whatever, but this is, uh, there was a lawsuit filed mm. by the victim uh, in all of this. And this broke on, on Friday and um, worth looking into. If, if indeed he was an assistant coach who arrived out on the scene and, and told Murphy, lie. It's not good. Uh, so that's worth uh, digging into at some point later on in the week as well. Scott Dockerman set to join us next. Uh, thank you to Gary Palmer for coming on, CEO of Prairie Meadows. They are reopen. Racing season starts on Friday. Uh, Scott Dockerman next from the Athletic Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Yeah. Drake's Auto Service brings three decades of experience in helping you keep up with the maintenance of your vehicle. From routine maintenance and oil changes to brake service, tire and wheel repair, and everything in between. Mike's Auto Service is a one-stop shop for everything automotive. That's Mike's Auto Service. Hickman Road in Clyde. Welcome back, Miller and Con, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX. 25 minutes after 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Gary Barta will meet the media. Scott Darkerman from The Athletic will be there. Before he's there, he's here with us. And we're grateful for that. Scott, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? 
I'm doing well, guys. How about yourself? Doing okay, Doc. Um, I didn't get a lot substance-wise from Kirk Ferentz on, on Friday. It was really good to hear uh, Kevon Mer- uh, Merriweather and, of course, uh, Ivory Kelly Martin. Both of those gentlemen, extremely well-spoken, um, but, and, but really didn't gain anything from Ferentz that we really didn't already know. But this might be different from Doyle, who you guys will, um, uh, from uh, Bard, rather, coming up at uh, 1 o'clock. We do know that Chris Doyle has, uh, there's been a... Um, a resolution that he's going to be um, parting ways with the university, a $1.1 million buyout, uh, health benefits through September of 2021. So was that, do you think, obviously the uh, attorneys, and they had to be close for them to be let on that Barta was going to meet with the media today. Seemingly this was almost a fait accompli uh, prior to Friday's conference that uh, Doyle and uh, would be, um, that announcement would be made prior to the press conference today. In the papers yesterday, and yesterday was when we got the, the email that there would be a news conference, and on Friday we were told that Gary Barta would talk, but it was, it was going to be you know, kind of early next week. So I, I think everybody knew where this was going. I mean, it, it, you know, it would be a shocker if they would have brought him back. There was just no way they could have done that and uh, save face within their program with their former players. So this was the logical conclusion, and it was just a matter of uh, making the numbers work. And and really, when you look at you know what. You know, 1.1 million isn't a bad settlement considering how much they would have owed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if for this upcoming year, he was going to be paid almost $900,000 um, because he had a 12% raise off of a top 15 finish. And then you had Iowa done the same thing, maybe won 10 games, maybe finished the top 15 again. He would have been over a million dollars for the second year. And right now he's, he was uh, rolling over at, on July 1st. So he would have had two years. Uh, that they would have had to pay for. And, and so I think uh, this all, you know, I mean, pay, uh, you know, p- paying people to go away is never easy or fun, but I think Iowa, this was a little bit more mutually beneficial than I thought it would be. As you look forward here, an uh, hour and a half away from the Gary Bardock press conference, this release was put out there, said no more questions on it until the investigation has finished out. But there's certainly going to be a lot of questions, certainly for Gary Barta, uh, at, at this level and what it's going to look like. What are some of the big things you're looking to forward uh, find out today when you talk with Barta? Just to see kind of what they, you know, the investigation netted, uh, you know, into, you know, now that they've contracted with an outside firm, you know, there'll be some, you know, some findings, I'm sure, but. Beyond, but really over the last week, what did they learn when, in some of their conversations with former players? What's been discussed? And, and if they found that the majority of those complaints on Twitter were credible or not, um, which ones were, who they really listened to. And then, you know, the other side of it is there were other assistant coaches that were named exactly. by, by former players. Brian Ferentz and, uh, and uh, Seth Wallace specifically, as well as Phil Parker. I probably paid less attention to that one. Uh, Frankly, but I, I do think he needs to answer about that. You know, if he if there is an investigation there, if there was and it, it was found that uh, you know that they got a slap on the wrist or they were told bad boy, or if they actually have something coming down the pipe and they're they're looking at it. So those are the things that I'm really fascinated with as far as what's the now, uh, because if 
Brian Ferentz and Seth Wallace are in the clear, they really need to mention that because mm-hmm. they were mentioned prominently with, with some pretty rough cases, I thought. Yeah, the Wallace with the uh, the grade, uh, uh, the grades making that public and clearly mocking uh, the young man. And of course, Brian Ferentz. Jalil Johnson has been as vocal as anybody when it comes to Brian Ferentz, but he, he puts them both on the same plane, if you will. Chris Doyle and Brian Ferentz both need to go, and he hasn't been shy to say so, Doc. No, he hasn't, and uh, and that's something that they do need to uh, you know address. And if there's a reason why that Brian Ferentz is staying and not going, then I think they need to discuss that. You know, uh, you know pretty the reasons why because you know Brian Ferentz has had some public miscues multiple times, and I think it's really uh, you know you, you start to wonder is it a last name thing or is it something more than that? And uh, that's that's something that Gary Barta needs to. Uh, you know, be accounted for because he is actually his boss. Technically, he's the supervisor, and even Kirk Ferentz mentioned that the other day. So I think that's something he has to address in, in how he's dealt with him. Doc, one of my other takeaways that kind of I didn't get to earlier was early on as Kirk Ferentz in that press conference Friday was reading through it. How nervous he seemed, and a guy that is rarely that way. Usually, very buttoned up, very polished in the conversations. That wasn't the case initially. How much just talking with him has this impacted him? And a guy that has great respect, is, is that respect, has that changed for you as a beat reporter? For him, I mean, but I also acknowledge that my role isn't to worry about how good of a guy he is or how great of a coach he is. It's, it's to you know, question exactly what went on here. And then, you know, whether it's form my own opinions, try to find the truth, try to relay the truth, and go from there. The other day, I, yeah, I thought he was a little bit uh, unsettled is probably right, but this has been an unsettling week. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, the, the, the one topic that's the most difficult to discuss in this country. And, and yeah. when you're talking about him, most necessary. Uh, as a 64-year-old man, that's really challenging mm-hmm. to bring that up and, and try to, to, you know, and then, of course, you look at who he's leaving, you know, who just he separated from i mean his lieutenant his right hand man the last 22 years that um you know that he would have paid a million dollars next year a little over a year from now uh, to be his strength coach so i think that's uh you know, I think that it's a troubling situation, and it's probably one that would intimidate just about anybody. Raymond Braithwaite has been the, named the interim and has been since uh, since uh, this happened last week. Been there a long time, Doc. This is year sixteen, so he was uh, got there what two thousand four, somewhere around there. He had to have seen, uh, you know, how his boss Chris Doyle was, you know, was as we found out now from over 50 players, treating some of the uh, former athletes uh, that have gone through the program. Can Braithwaite take over, do you think? Yeah, I think he can. I, I asked that Or question. should he, I guess? Maybe do they need to clean house and just start anew uh, in the strength and conditioning? You can't do that right now. Um, you know, you're right now you're in the in a really important time. I mean, you're in an important time all the time, but, but if you're going to do that, it's, it's just, it's just not the time to do it. Um, I, I, the one thing is, I think with Raymond Braithwaite, uh, he's been a guy that's been more in the background. Uh, he's a likable guy, from what I've heard. And, you know, real charisma, and and uh, I think I talked to Marvin McDutt about him last week, and he said he was a good guy. He said he liked him. And now the one thing is, you know, his personality is completely different than Chris Doyle's. Okay. And if you if you're ever around Chris Doyle, it's him. He is the number one guy, and don't make any mistake. Anybody around him 
is not number one, is not on the same equal. He is the alpha male. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, a different personality, different types of communication will, you know, that that's where this is about. It's not how he trains the program necessarily. It's how he, he deals with people. He will be the interim coach, Braithwaite, as you mentioned. Is this something that you see after the season concluding, either a decision for him to be promoted officially in that capacity or a nationwide search to find another head of the strength and conditioning program? It's really too early to say right now, Trent, you know, simply because this is his first day. Uh, you know, we don't, yeah. we don't know if he's going to be good or bad. He might be terrible. They might need to do that. You never know. I mean, maybe Kirk Ferentz hangs it up. He'll be 65 in, in August. Mm-hmm. So, and, and there'll be somebody else doing it. So uh, there's really a lot of questions here. I would say for now, Raymond Braithwaite is, uh, you got to put him as the odds on favorite. He's the interim. He's been there 15 years. I, I don't think that it hurts that he's African American and that might help communication mm-hmm. issues in that area. Um, but if he can't, um, energize the, the players or if he can't, uh, help, help them boost their performance, then I think, uh, you know, everything needs to be on the table. So as of right now, I just don't know that it's, I think it's just way premature to say whether he'll be here in January or not, but. As of right now, that's he's the guy. Doc, what do you know about the? I think they call themselves the players' rep. The guy's name is Robert Green. I know Wadley is. Um, this this is the seemingly this guy's going to be the face of the at least some of the fifty players that have come forward uh, to make their uh, beef public, if you will. Uh, what do we know about? I've never heard of the players' rep. I'd never. I guess I didn't know that there was uh, such a group out there that would you know work as an advocate for some of these. players. Players that felt that they were wrong at some point in their career. What do we know, and and how seriously should this this guy be taken? I mean, what what can he do, Doc? What what's he attempting to do here? Is is this uh, is he going to you know try to work out a settlement? I guess I don't know hardly anything about the players' rep. Yeah, I don't know enough about him. I mean, I know you know my former colleague Mark Morehouse talked to him and wrote a story about it, and I think that's. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I just don't know what his angle is on this. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's right now planning to sue. Um, I don't know if this is a way to, to boost attention. And, uh, you know, there are some angry voices behind the people that he's uh, he works through. I don't know if he's trying to help help the situation or boost his own, uh, you know, uh, profile. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if he wants this to... You know, you, you, somebody might say, well, maybe he's trying to do this so he can get on ESPN and then, you know, maybe somebody else hires him full time. I don't know. I mean, I think this is just really, um, you know, I think right now it's, it's really premature to, to speculate what exactly his intent is because he hasn't really identified it yet. I, I don't think he's after money necessarily, at least right now, but I do think that, you know, he provides a voice to some of the people who are disaffected. Gotcha. Some newsy items over the weekend, the uh, the scary and sad news, certainly a Jack Kerner involved in the boating accident down in the Lake of the Ozarts. And the other part, another defensive back, former defensive back with the Hawkeyes, DJ Johnson, he's going to be staying in the Big Ten as he's transferring to Purdue. Your thoughts on both of those? Well, it's unfortunate with Jack Kerner. I mean, it was supposed to be a fun weekend with uh, you know, one of his best friends and his you know dad and, and a friend's dad and and really hard to see you know you hate to see that happen and you know hopefully i know he's been released from the hospital so hopefully he's able to recover fully and i don't see any reason why he can't at least from what little i really know i haven't spoken to the family or you know gary or or 
or Gail or, or Jack, but um, it's really unfortunate for Cole. I mean, he's had major surgery since then and, and an amputation. I would say, you know, for DJ Johnson, this is the interesting part of the transfer portal that Iowa could not block him. You know, in the past, maybe he would have blocked. They would have blocked him from uh, Big Ten teams and uh, say Iowa State, and now you can't do that. So they're going to have a chance to play against DJ Johnson the next few years. And uh, you know, judging from the way DJ has kind of handled his transfer. And, uh, you know, the, the discussions that have gone on in, you know, the last week and a half or so, I mean, you know, there was a significant dis, uh, you know, disconnect between him and the staff. And uh, I think he's really the only one that calls out, called out Phil Parker and listening to former players. Nobody's done that. Right. Like everybody's come to his defense. So I think it's, it's interesting, but he's the type of player that when he leaves and he kind of scorches the earth, you, you kind of wonder, you know, and when he goes after a Phil Parker, you, you wonder, okay, this guy just, it just wasn't a good fit. You know, what was his personality clash? And and that's kind of the whole crux of this whole discussion with the Iowa players is, you know, there's really four camps. There's the African-Americans who have a high profile and a big voice and everybody listens to. Then, then there are the players who who've transferred and they have, a, you know, for a variety of reasons, some are, then there's a the camp that have, merits and some that you really don't think they should have much of a voice and then you have a lot of people who are on the kind of the sidelines uh discussing it so i i guess dj is probably in the disaffected camp and it's hard to really uh, frankly it's, i think it's hard to take him seriously doc do you know was bart a part of last monday's meeting when the team met the players met in that emotional long meeting uh that uh, that all of them that have come uh, gone public said it was the you know the most difficult meeting they've ever been a part of but the most necessary was bart a part of it doc do you know yeah he was he was there and he tried to discuss i, I from my understanding from a few sources that he, he tried to discuss kind of the the George uh, Floyd situation, and it just didn't resonate very well. You know, I don't know that necessarily it was a yelling or screaming match, but it was certainly not welcomed in that manner. And uh, so I think that's a, this is something that, um, you know, kind of started off the, the two-hour meeting that was very explosive. And I think it's, um, you know, but again, sometimes blowing off that kind of steam, you know, has, has really helped you know, people kind of get out all their grievances out there and then and then work with them. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. He will be there at the press conference. Uh, if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you'll read everything that uh, goes on, as Doc will have it up uh, within a couple hours or whatever, how long it takes to get his piece up at The Athletic. Doc, thank you for coming on. We'll let you get the Carver Hawkeye. Appreciate it, Doc. All right, thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. So Barta was there. Mm-hmm. And apparently did not go well. That uh, what what he had to say was not well received. Um, look, by all accounts, everybody said the same thing. It was a, there were uh, heated. It was loud voices. There was it was a necessary meeting, and Gary Barta took um, took one on the chin. And multiple days too. The Monday one, and then Tuesday into the Wednesday. When yeah. did they start practice? Wednesday. Wednesday then is when they right. started the voluntary workouts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and probably one of those things where all right, we'll do this Monday. Tuesday will be acting. Got to do it again Tuesday. Yeah. I looked at that as a positive. Oh, I do too. I do too. I I totally agree with you because again, this is something with with Kirk and the program. In the past, you very well could have said, "Well, it's time to go back to work." Mm-hmm. All right, you you all got to say your piece now, but no, we need another day to work through this. Mm-hmm. That is a good thing. It is. I keep going back to the very first release. We wish we would have kept it uh, off of social media. That's well, true. 
Well, of course, but that would mean we wouldn't have been at this point now had mm-hmm. they gone. I just don't see it that way. Right. Maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I'm wrong. But had the um, he got his wish and it, it wouldn't have gone public, there would have been, no, been nothing like this. No, no not Chris nothing Chris would still be employed. Yes, he would. Uh, anyways, we'll take a time out. Gary Bart is coming up at 1 o'clock. You'll hear snippets uh, on Murph and Andy if there's anything newsworthy. At uh, Of course, they start at 2. We'll come back. Final segment on the Monday. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Thinking of incorporating or setting up an Iowa LLC? Zoom right past LegalZoom and work with Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry PC. He set up an affordable online small business package that helps you decide whether to form a limited liability company LLC or a corporation. With Rush Niggett's help, it's easy to form your new small business. Rush Niggett, a business lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. Go to RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on your side. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon with you for 10 more minutes or thereabouts as we take you up towards noon. High school baseball on the airwaves tonight. My partner Trent Condon. And Rush Nickel will have the play-by-play of Ankeny Centennial. Centennial, I said I've stumbled on that word twice. Today. Centennial, uh, gotcha. It did get me twice. Uh, and of course, Roosevelt, the Rough Riders, uh, join in progress. Game one at six. Game two, about what seven ish? If right around goes seven, yeah, according to plan. Right, as long as everything don't get anything crazy, no ten run innings, anything like that. Then yeah, usually about an hour and forty five minutes, hour forty minutes, right in mm-hmm. there for a varsity game, and then twenty minutes to get the field ready. Might be a little bit different at Principal Park, but should be a good one here tonight. The Jaguars and the Rough Riders. You know who's got to be a little bit bounce in their step as well today? The support staff at Principal Park. Yeah, something to do. Something to do, right? I mean, uh, what can they be doing? You're getting, keeping the grass good. Right. You're still rolling everything. You're doing that, but you're not chalking the lines. Mm-hmm. You know when we. Have had uh, Randy Wayhofer. They were in the late stages of determining what else they could do at the ballpark this year. We said mm-hmm. we were going to have them back once that list has been finalized. I got an email that apparently there's a have a catch with dad on Father's Day oh, at Principal awesome. Park. Yeah, that's a really good idea. But uh, I'm sure that uh, iowacubs.com uh, for more of the info for all the information on that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott just tested positive for COVID-19. Really? If he's still at Ohio State and they're getting set to take on, well, Michigan and you're all over Ohio State. You love Ezekiel Elliott. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, I didn't know. I mean, he's not playing. Should we have known these things? I think it's a problem. You don't think it's as big of a deal as I do, but I, I think I think I think there's going to have to be a very difficult decision to be made, and that's going to that's almost this is a that would be a blow. If the sports books are forced to take college football off the board this fall because okay. of that. Well, you know what'll happen? I do. <laughs> Everyone will just go back offshore. I do. Yeah. In inside of this state and the other states that have legalized wagering. Right. Can't do it here. Well, I'm going to find a way because it's what you like to do. Mm-hmm. It's what you do during football season. And if you're one of those now, people. Or though would they would they take it off? Because they're they've got a lot of liability if there's something out if somebody knows. That he's not going to play, and he's got that information. I mean, they put Russian ping pong. I, look, I know they do. <laughs> I know they do. I mean, these guys are sitting there where they're just but, got out of 
work and they're wearing their gym shorts and they hop in there and they're playing a ping pong match and then they got to go back wherever they're working mm-hmm. right afterwards. And they're putting these matches up and you can bet real money <laughs> on them. What are the limits? Fun. you have any idea? I don't. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't take the elastic band off the no, bankroll. There's, there's no 10G bet right. on table tennis. Nay. Two? 2,000? I, I don't know. I have no idea. Couple of Gs? I just want sports to be back so you're not forced to bet on <laughs> ping pong. I've been all right. I, I haven't gone crazy during so this did time. So you, did you at least get a thrill for any of the golfers you bet prior to the event? Mm. In the ter- did, did, Were you in the hunt at all yesterday? No. Nothing, None of your guys? Nothing great. Yeah, I, I fired at three, a couple long shots. A couple of my guys missed the cut that were Ooh. pretty good. Yeah, it was just it was one of those weekends. I got to ease my way back in. Luckily, I didn't go crazy mm-hmm. with that first event that came back. Another, uh, as we're talking about waiting and just getting sports back. There was a night last night, I was uh, last week, excuse me, where I was looking up the NBA standings. Just kind of wanted to mm-hmm. refresh my memory. Yep. I knew the 22 teams that were going to be in when they regained play. And I just wanted to look at it. And as I was in the app that I use where I get all my scores, is the little baseball tab was there. I just want a box score. <laughs> yeah. I just, I want to pour through mm-hmm. game that you missed. What did I miss? And, and go deeper in. You are still a newspaper guy. Do you miss that? Oh, God, yes. The, the agate type and Absolutely. going through and I looking at I miss ink the... on my hands and then on the walls or yes. on the toilet seat or whatever. Just the box score. Yes. Of what, and it doesn't have to just be baseball. I love box scores of all kinds Trent, of sports. Back in the 60s and 70s, box scores before ESPN, before computers. Sure. I mean, you would pour over these things. Yes, that's... Pour over them. My love of sports uh-huh. developed because of box Ditto. scores and just... Looking at names. Sports sections for me. That's yes. where my love of sports was numbers. formed. And, and I'm not a great numbers guy, but that's the part of the numbers right. that I like is that part of it. And well, now there's more than just batting average and on-base mm. percentage and slugging. Yeah, so OPS. now there's too much for this old man. I mean, <laughs> I like the way it's he gone to another it. level. It really has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, enough's enough. But for a lot of people, they're analytics folks. I mean, they think it's as important as, as anything, and I'm not going to argue with them. I just don't I don't understand it. So tonight you've got high school baseball. I'll have a box score afterwards. You will, and you can have a, you've got a chance. You're seeing two pretty good teams tonight, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Two teams that could have – can either one of them win the state title? I think Centennial could. Mm-hmm. Um, Roosevelt, I would have put on that list before injuries started to crop up with them. Rush Niggett, who will be calling the game, his son Alec, who's on his way to University of Iowa, going to be out for the year, which is a blow. But they have a really great group of seniors. Mm-hmm. That senior class has grown up together, has played together, going all the way to the youth tournaments. That's awesome. And, you know, they got six or seven of these kids that have been kind of the core pieces since their sophomore years. Made the big jump last year. They were in the top ten. Got beaten in the sub-state final last year by Ankeny, but and this is a team that you, know, you you see this in all levels of sport, kind of growing into that spot where they get there. Well, Ankeny Centennial was another one of those groups that were kind of building towards 2020. The Jaguars have a really good pitcher at the top. Trey Morris can, can pump it up there in the upper 80s. They got a lot of depth in that offense. Going to have to score a little bit more than they had the last couple of years, but kids that took their lumps during their sophomore year, Last year took a step forward, and I think this is has a chance to be a breakthrough year for Centennial. Okay. But I mentioned the uh, the coaches' association rankings that came out today. The top five teams in Class Four A all come from Central Iowa. Who are they? 
Do you have uh, it at the top of your head? Let me pull it head? up here. I, yeah, I got it. So this is from the coaches. Urbandale, one, okay. two-time defending champion. Yeah, makes sense. Ankeny Hawks, two. Mm-hmm. Southeast Polk, three. Dragons were. Four. Okay. Waukee, five. Then you get to Western Dubuque, who's been in the state tournament the last couple of years. Our catcher's going to Old Miss. Stud. Wow. Dowling Catholics at seven. Iowa City West at eight. Uh, Morgan, you might know that name from Iowa City West and seemingly every sport. There's another one who's the quarterback and also <laughs> right. a pitcher that can pump it up in the 90s. Iowa City West at 8, Roosevelt at 9, and then Cedar Rapids Prairie at 10. I'd argue Centennial certainly can be there in that top 10 ranking, too. The depth, year after year after year. It's incredible in Central Iowa. I just wonder how many people that couldn't have cared less mm-hmm. about high school baseball maybe prior to the, nah, that's probably a little um, too extreme but just didn't follow it yeah. right i cuz i have a feeling trend there'll be guys gals maybe families that go to watch a high school baseball game tonight maybe at principal park maybe at one of just to do something just sure. to see something like this for the first time since you uh, called the uh, final seconds of the state basketball tournament back in March. Don't you think that there'll be people that, that try high school baseball, try as a fan, mm-hmm. that normally never would have? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I, I think you're going to see certainly a big uptick in that in terms of just caring about that. And my hope is I have covered high school sports here for a decade now and and doing it at the baseball level for, I don't know, seven, eight years mm-hmm. Is this a conversation I have with a lot of different people? And we talk football, of course, high school football. We talk basketball. We talk a little wrestling. We do those things. But I just don't think that people understand the high level of baseball that's played here. You've said that forever. The number of Division I prospects, the kids that go on. I just mentioned a kid that's going to Ole Miss. There's a kid from Dubuque Wallard that's going to LSU. Hmm. He's a junior, and he's committed to play at LSU. number of kids that make their way to the University of Iowa and on and on and on. There is so much of that talent here in the state. A big part of that is what we see in the youth programs, the way that they've been, been built up. But we even see that in Little League. I mean, how many times the Urban Dale or Johnson yeah, Little Leaguers have made it there? Grandview yeah. you know, Little League has made big runs in the past, and it shows you just how good the baseball is here. And be a chance this summer now to spotlight it. There's no Major League Baseball going on. People are looking for something to fill their summer nights. I'm with you. I hope they pull it off. I'm looking forward to getting, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that tomorrow to start the program, how it went, and what Principal Park is going to look like. Good for them. Good for everybody. Uh, do it well. Country's watching. Chris Cuellar said Sports Centers, ESPN, they may be here or they certainly want footage for Sports Center tonight. Won't that be something? All right, Murph and Andy at 2. They'll have highlights, a recap of Gary Barta's 1 o'clock press conference, not carrying it live, uh, but they will have uh, snippets at 2. The Fanatics at 4. Tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Morning rush time. Thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.7.